So, Pentecost, a massive work of the Holy Spirit. Um, children and young people watching, today we are asking, what is it to be filled inside with the Spirit of God? What is spiritual life? What is even a spirit? Um, quite a few people have influenced my theology on how to understand the Bible better on the work of the Spirit, so I want to thank thank them at the start because I've taken a fair bit from them for this Alan Reese, my mentor from Swansea Richard Buse who's just died and gone to glory and his books on uh, his experiences of revival and Paul Blackham's teaching on Leviticus um, indebted to you for that um, so the Lord Jesus Christ when he was on planet earth he said to people I have come that you can have life and have it abundantly that's John chapter 10 verse 10 and now people listening to him might have been saying, well, Don, what do you mean? Give us life. We're already alive. That's how we're listening to you. Um, but actually, I think Jesus is making a point. There's a difference between just existing as a human being and with being fully alive and accomplishing what we're made for, which is to be filled with the Spirit of God. So if you don't have like the power of the spirit in your life jesus is pretty much saying you're not yet quite fully alive but i says jesus have come that you may have life so what is spiritual life if we're to have it like flowing out of us in church life and if moses was on youtube live now what would he think are signs that we have spiritual life what's a true church does moses have anything to say on Pentecost so if you ask a Christian like why follow Jesus loads of them would say are oh, to get to heaven all right but um, if you then tease it out what is heaven like then draw something or tell me something about heaven like they sort of unravel a bit and you just end up with this picture of basically just floating around a bit like Casper the ghost maybe praying a bit singing some hymns and that and their idea of true spirit life is like a non-corporeal floaty existence like Casper the friendly ghost. Um, but if that is true spirituality and a big work of the Holy Spirit is to turn us into Casper the friendly ghost, what do we do in the meantime while we're stuck in bodies? And what do we do with Jesus when he says, when we trust in him and follow him, we've already turned from death to spiritual life. We're already experiencing spiritual life now, not later in heaven. It's already begun while we are in this body. And Acts chapter 2 that we read from, which is Pentecost Day when the spirit came even more upon church, like... Did they all try and then vanish away out of their bodies and quickly try and get to heaven um, to become Casper? So we need to get this right. So I've got a few things for us to think about. John chapter 4. Jesus says, God is spirit. And those who worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. So does that mean... Until we die and our body goes in the floor and our spirits go to be in heaven, none of us can worship him because God is spirit. And the only way to truly be spiritual and worship him is to get rid of our body, 
and be like him and he's a spirit. So we're just stuck. In the meantime, we'll just get on. Um, just grinding each day through. All right. I got some problems with that understanding of what spirit life is. Because if Jesus was saying we must become floaty to be spiritual, um, like Jesus is absolutely stuck. Because three days after he died, he rose again in his body and he's still got it now. His body is in heaven. So he's absolutely stuck because he's got that body forevermore. And if spiritual worship just means like non-corporeal Casper-esque existence, Jesus cannot worship his father God and he can't worship him forever. He's absolutely stuck. I meet tons of Christians that love hymns. All the hymns are about escaping this body. We can't get out of this world quick enough. Heaven is our final goal. Mm. But haven't you found this? Um, I think we've learned in lockdown more than ever that the spirit world really needs physical, tangible, touchable things in order to exist and to flourish. Um, about 10 years ago, there was this hip group within church. And they, they were called the emergent church people. Oops, I better turn my phone off. Unprofessional. Hold on. Sorry. Um, the emergent church people formed this little subsection of Christianity. And they were like, we don't need to go to church anymore to worship. We can stay at home and meditate on our own. We don't need anybody. Now, they would be called by people like me balloon heads because to not have Christian contact physically just completely undermines the work of Jesus and the entire church. Um, that's not spiritual just to isolate and meditate and sort of reach some fourth level higher experience well, everybody else is working hard in church to spread the message of Jesus. You can't be dealing with that stuff. You're on your own and you have reached maximum um, security heights of glory. In lockdown more than ever, like some people even argue that this sort of stuff is as good as real church or Skyping. Because you can physically see me and I'm sort of there with you in your lounge. But we know deep down. That's nonsense. It's just not the same. Church is far more than screen connections. Church is bread, babies, births, bodies, deaths, baptisms, discipleship, um, meal times, praying together, laying hands on people. It's restoration, eating together, fellowship in the glory of God. If physical was floaty, Jesus just could have YouTubed live his whole existence from heaven down to us and never really needed to connect with anyone in, on planet Earth. But it's not that. In Jesus, we have God, who is a body, with a body, in a body, saying, 
that God is spirit. So body and spirits are one. Children, uh, you're drawing really practical pictures which involve physical things. And they're all pictures from the Bible about what spiritual things actually are as well. The Apostle Paul, later on in the Bible, writes that we are spiritual bodies. And he means that of us individually as well. And children, you're somewhat set apart from a cow in a field or even Evie, the fox red Labrador in our house. There's something more unique about you. You're a spiritual body. Although, actually scrap that because I got some ideas about animals, but... They probably are spiritual creatures, but you're slightly different and better spiritual creature because you're made in the image of Jesus. Yeah, I pulled that one back. But you're special. You're a spiritual body. It's also uh, the church as a whole is called a spiritual body. And within the body of church, there are loads of spiritual gifts in it. But they all involve bodies. I remember years ago, Paul Blacker made me laugh because he asked, he challenged us. Um... Try and do one of the spiritual gifts listed in Corinthians or Romans without your body. It gets quite funny. Uh, try it this week, Park End. We're thinking about spiritual experiences and the Holy Spirit empowering church. All right. These are spiritual gifts. Exhortation, encouragement. Try and do that without a body. Giving. Leadership. Mercy. Prophecy. Serving people. Teaching, administration, healings, knowledge, wisdom, celibacy. Try that without a body. Caring, hospitality, and that was our favorite one, hospitality. Um, imagine visiting people, but not. You visit them in the spirit, but you didn't actually go there. And they'd be like ringing you, but you you didn't come and see me. What would you say? No, nah, I did. By the power of the Spirit, I did visit you today. I was there. We had a cup of tea together. Not in the body. It's crackers, isn't it? Even children know that that's crazy. So, Pentecost weekend. What is it? What happens? What is it to be spiritual? So, spirit in Hebrew, ruach. In Greek, pneuma, and in the Bible, spirit, the term spirit, is often connected with breath, the breath of God, and that's important. So Job 33, the spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. That's also in 27 and chapter 32. Luke 23, Jesus commends his spirit to his father, and then he breathes no more, and he dies. John 20, uh, Jesus again, when he had spoken to the disciples, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. You also see in the Bible that God is life and his words are connected to life. Uh, Proverbs 3, the word of the Lord brings life. And Jesus says, if you don't follow my words, you're condemned already because my words give life. Now, let me go and get something because I've forgotten something else as well. I might get sacked after this one. 
Sorry about that. Um, should have brought all this with me at the start. If you take an apple off a tree, it's disconnected from the source of life. It's like it, it's dead. Spiritual life just leaves it if it had any. Definitely physical life dies. Now, in 1996, when I was in year seven in Lanishan High School, I came up with a little plan. No, it was probably late primary school, Tonaruin. I came up with a plan, little Owen, sensitive about the pollution in the world and the animals in the world and natural resources. He came up with an idea on how to save planet Earth. So, my idea was, oh, you know, like those crisp packets and beer rings that you see like fish stuck in and ducks caught up in. How can we get rid of all that plastic? Plastic in the oceans. So, I went into my father's garden and uh, disconnected an apple from his apple tree. And then I ate a packet of quavers. Then I folded the packet of quavers into a square. And then I cut the apple in half. And then I put the quaver packet inside the apple and sellotaped the apple back up. Thinking, and this is a copyright plan by the way, I know what you're thinking. Drop it. Thinking, oh when the apple bile degrades, because it's separated now from its source of life, it will just degrade the litter as well. And I can tell you children, that how many years later, the experiment is still going on. I'm sad to say I think it might have stopped in about 1998 process of decay for some reason just stopped but here it is it's in the same dish it's about 25 years old or 20 years old when I got married I told Rita about that apple and she was like, you are never bringing that apple into our house. But I did, children. I did. Because I'm saving the world with that apple. And all that to say, anything disconnected from its source of life dies. And Jesus is like, I am. My breath, my words, bring spiritual and physical life. So all that to say, and that's why Jesus always talks about wind water, um, weather as signs of movement and life because things become alive and move when they're filled with his spirit. Um, they don't float off. What they are already becomes more spiritual. I am the way, the truth and the life. And in Acts chapter 2, the church has this astonishing amount of the life of God come into them with the purpose of going out for the first time to the wider world because the ancient church was um, they always welcomed people in to join them in the life of God but this time now they're breaking out to the Gentiles that's us the non-Jews across the whole of the planet earth why so that we can all become connected to the life of God and flourish that's why in bible hours we loved it in exodus 31 when the spirit of the lord came on people and they get all arty and crafty and start building temples playing music 
prophesying. Check out Exodus 31 verses 1 to 5 uh, with the son of Uri, who the spirit literally fills him and he gets wisdom and knowledge. Check out Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 4. The spirit comes on him and he starts learning loads about flowers and people come to him for flower advice. That's why the best theologians set up hospitals, feed people, enjoy life, as well as praying for spiritual revival to see the wider world fall in love with Jesus. They also get on flourishing as human beings in the image of the human being, Jesus. Remember that hymn, something lives in every hue Christless eyes have never seen. God just makes us alive. Turn from being cooped up in ourselves, bent on sin, death and destruction, and our eyes open to see the Lord and the wonders of his church and his creation. Um, in church, when the Holy Spirit comes upon it, families flourish, relationships flourish, um, people's needs are met, because church is under the life-giving breath and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, here's a great verse that I love. 1 Timothy 6.17 Command those who are rich in this present age not to become haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So basically the church is to do three things with good things in life. Not turn away from them and reject them and go up in our attics and try and float away to a heavenly realm somewhere. We're to enjoy life and each other. So this teaches us three things. Number one, God gives us things to enjoy on planet Earth, physical things. Two, he gives us those things, but we're to enjoy them. So it's disobedient and unspiritual if we're not enjoying things in this world. Three. The misuse of those things is not in enjoying them, but in trusting them and making gods of them. Matthew chapter 5. The meek will inherit the earth, says Jesus. Not inherit spiritual life, which is true. He actually says the earth because heaven isn't our last place. Everyone in heaven right now is going to be re-given their bodies and the Lord is going to reconnect heaven and earth and remake it without sin, death and decay. And then we're going to get on doing earthy stuff. Praising Jesus, doing it together. The meek, the church, will inherit the earth. Here's more homework. Romans chapter 8. Paul says the, re the goal of everything in the Christian faith is that our bodies get redeemed from death and pain and sin and corruption. And even trees and stuff are looking forward to that day where they will stand tall again without like tree decay. Just got the spirit of God protecting them and uplifting them. So with all that said, why are the children drawing pictures of farming stuff or church doing good stuff for each other? Okay, let's end with this. Leviticus 23, particularly verse 22. So this is the Feast of Weeks. Um, it's called a couple of things. Um, we'll call it in this one the Feast of Weeks. Now this feast starts 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits. 
50 days later, the feast 50 is pent. So it's Pentecost. It's the feast of Pentecost. It was then. It is now. And it's where the first harvest comes into the full harvest 50 days later, like farming terminology. Now, here's the critical link. The New Testament says that Jesus's resurrection was the first fruit. He's the firstborn among us from the dead, and we're just following him wherever he's going to go. And it's like the wider church and their life is the full harvest. And don't forget John's, John chapter 5, where Jesus says, we who believe have already passed from death to life. That's why the Bible says Christians don't really die. They just fall asleep. Because the first harvest has already begun. But it's culminating in this final massive harvest where we are all raised up again. Full of spirit and life. But it's already begun because of Jesus. So, here now what would Moses would say is the sign of a spirit-filled Pentecostal church? Here's Leviticus 23, 22. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap to the corners of your field when you reap, nor shall you gather any gleaning from your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So what was the sign in that old feast, that feast of Pentecost, that it was time for Pentecost? That they don't take all stuff for themselves and they actually look after the poor. That was the mark. And then we read from Acts chapter 2. Pentecost time again in the life of the church. And what did we read in that it was evidence that the Spirit of God was at work in church. It's that they cared for one another and they looked after one another and they met each other's needs in the love of God. Let me read it again. They devote, So the Spirit comes in power. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. And enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What's the sign that Pentecost is at work in Park End Church in 2020? It's that we share our lives together in church. The world doesn't get it. We can be wrong in each other's company and there's forgiveness. The world doesn't get that. The world holds grudges. We're not meant to. We're to look out for each other and love each other. We're to do the shopping for each other, especially for the poor people among us. We're to pray for each other. We're to come under the word of God together and put each other 
First, we don't treat our young ladies like pieces of meat to be oogled at, like magazines and music videos do. We don't feel like there's no place for us in church. We're to be valued as people in the image of God. We don't have to be supermodels to fit in. We get to love our neighbour as much as we love ourselves. And that is what happened at Pentecost. There was conviction of sin, there's preaching, and there's adding to the life of church. And Moses would be like, yeah, obviously, we've been doing that since the Old Testament church. And that is the work of the Spirit. So, soon we're going to see a pictures of church members helping each other, reading the Bible together, shopping for each other. Young and old can do that, looking out for each other, ringing each other. Um not ploughing our fields to the very edge and giving what we've got to others. That is what Pentecost was all about. Thanks be to the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. We thank you for tuning in. We pray that we would all turn to Jesus tonight for life. And we'll be back here at 9pm. And you are invited. We will see you then.